Hi, this is Kipley Brown. Lieutenant Barbara Smith on Star Trek continues. Course plotted for the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. It's the Trek Geeks podcast with Dan Davidson and Bill Smith. Coming to you from Podfleet Command. It's the biggest little show this side of the Alpha Quadrant. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. I'm your co-host, Bill Smith. We're excited you're here. We're excited to talk about some suffering tonight. Wait, that doesn't sound right at all. Yeah, no, I should probably take a mulligan on that one, but I'm not going to. My co-host, though, probably would insist that I do. He takes lots of mulligans on a regular basis in golf and in life. He's the person I would like to torture most like Harry Kim. He, of course, is the lovely and talented Dan Davidson. And Dan, welcome aboard, buddy. Nobody is tortured more than I am because I have to listen to these introductions on a weekly basis. I'm getting a little tired of it, and I think we have to have a discussion. Yeah, okay. That, that's great. Yeah, I'm just kidding. Yeah. I'm just kidding. No, it's good to be here. Uh, thanks, for inter- thanks for that wonderful introduction. Is that better? <laughs> yes, with all the forced, you know, smile that you can muster. That was fantastic. You have no idea. Yes, it's great to be here again, as we are every week, to talk some fun Star Trek stuff. And today we're going to have fun talking about things that aren't so much fun for one particular ensign on the Starship Voyager. You know, it's amazing because, you know, there's there's a whole lot that Harry Kim goes through. And the character of Harry Kim is not unlikable by any means. You know what I mean? We're going to talk about that in a bit. But mm-hmm. this poor kid got put through hell. Yeah, he did over and over and over again, and uh, it, it kind of it, it's a running joke, I think. And I think uh, I think Garrett actually uh, has things to say about it at a lot of conventions. So uh, we figured, why not talk about it in a whole fun-filled episode of Trek Geeks, right? Absolutely, I'm looking forward to this one. Uh, you know, obviously, I'm not as much of a Voyager aficionado as some other people, but um, I, I think there's still enough in the Voyager that I've seen to to make a clear judgment about the suffering of this. This, this poor, poor Ensign Dan. <laughs> Dan yes, uh, I, I'm not. I, I got to say, before you get into your next topic, I'm not as a huge aficionado either. I have seen it through at least once, and 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 spatterings here and there. But uh, yeah, this poor kid. I, uh, man, I thought I had it bad having to be here with you every week, but it's nothing compared to what this guy goes through. Right. Yes. Well, Dan, if if people would like to send in their suggestions on how I could torture you further, how might they route those messages and correspondence to me, Ensign Dan? Well, I will begrudgingly tell people how to do that because I really don't want to suffer anymore. But it is easier than ever to get in touch with us. You just can head on over to trekgeeks.com slash contact. 
And there you can find a variety of ways to send us your thoughts and ideas for torture of said co-host. You can leave us a voicemail. You can Skype chat with us. You can even fill out the contact form and send a message to us directly. It's very easy to do. And plus, don't forget, you can click the big blue button on the right side of the website and leave us a voice message using SpeakPipe. And as always, our favorite place in the whole galaxy these days is on Facebook at our official Facebook group, Camp Kittimer. Always great people and great happenings going on there. Star Trek talk, Star Trek pictures, contests, polls, torture means for Dan or Bill. Uh, And you'll get early access to the episodes of Trek Geeks before they're even released to the general population. It's pretty cool. So just head right on over to Facebook.com slash groups slash Camp Kittimer, and one of our wonderful admins, Heather, Jackie, Dan, maybe Bill, maybe myself, will let you write in to join in on all the fun. But it is very important that you remember that any comments or messages that you leave us in any of these places may be used in a future episode. Wait, did, did you just sing the disclaimer? <laughs> yeah. You know, you just mix it. I'm happy. I have no response to this at all Finally Dan, it's time for the news from treknews.net Spanning the Alpha Quadrant for all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. It's treknews.net. Oops, whoa. <laughs> Online at treknews.net. And Dan, you might want to get that checked out. Uh, up first, buddy. Um, it looks like there's some new Star Trek stuff to read. And this one's going to be particularly good for you because it's got a lot of pictures. Nice. Very nice. I look forward to it. Absolutely. Star Trek Lost Scenes will be released in August of 2018. And it's a pretty cool sounding book. I'm going to read you the publisher's description and what I feel is a must have. Quote, think you've seen every episode of Star Trek, the original series and know everything about them? Think again. Star Trek Lost Scenes is packed with hundreds of never-before-seen color photos and new details about television's popular science fiction series. The photos from frames of 50-year-old production film that have been digitized and professionally restored to their original vibrant colors are used to chronicle the making of the series, reassemble deleted scenes that were left on the cutting room floor, and showcase bloopers from the first pilot through the last episode. Whether you're a new Star Trek fan or a seasoned veteran, this book is a must-have. And to go on further to that, there's going to be over 700 full-color photos from the actual production film from TOS restored to pristine condition, which a lot have never been seen before. So, Bill, this sounds pretty cool. I hope it's coffee table size. I hope it's a pop-up book because I like pop-up books. I like color. I like pictures. I don't think it's going to be that, but it's still going to be fun to look. I can't wait to see this. I didn't know about this until just this week, and I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited, too. I'm looking forward to getting my mitts on this book. Um, I think coupled with you know the Roddenberry Vault, I think they're great additions to Star Trek's history. And, you know... You know, we live in a culture now where people see these things all the time on on DVD and Blu-ray extras and mm-hmm. and doc, making of documentaries, and that's just not the kind of thing that happened 50 years ago. 
you know, I, whether it's, I don't know, vanity or the, the, the desire to just fill up DVDs with extra content to make it more appealing to a buying public. Um, I'm glad that, that this stuff has not been lost forever so that we can, we can get some kind of, you know, insight into what was going on on set. I think it's very cool that, you know, a lot of this stuff is going to be over 50 years old, yet it's still in existence and they were able to do something and put out a big collection of it for the fans. I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's going to be a great read and view. Same here. Dan, something else we're looking forward to. It it appears that Star Trek Discovery has been nominated for just a few awards this week, which I think is pretty cool. It's it's very cool. A few awards, but all oh, those awards are big time titles. It's such as Outstanding Drama Series for the Glad Media Awards, Outstanding Visual Effects at the VES Awards, and Mr. Jason Isaacs, of course, Captain Gabriel Lorca himself has been nominated for Best Actor in a TV series for the Empire Awards. So these are big. These are big awards. It's nothing to you know to wipe your nose at. And we we both know how incredible Discovery has been so far in season one. And I'm glad that it's getting this recognition that I feel it deserves with these awards. And I hope there's more coming down the road too. I do too. You know, the other thing is that there's some stiff competition when you look at some of the other nominees. If you go to the article on TrekNews.net, you can you can see you know some of who else has been nominated and. It's uh, it's a tough, tough group. I mean, Star Trek Discovery absolutely deserves to be nominated, but so do some of these other ones. So I think it's going to be a, a really, a really interesting to see what else we see as far as nominations for this amazing series. Dan, there's also a new Trek podcast coming, and it's being hosted by one of our dearest friends. Yes, there is, and we are very excited about this. Uh, Doctor Trek himself. Larry Nemechek will debut his brand new podcast, The Trek Files, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast on January 23rd. So uh, uh, that's actually the same day that this episode will drop. So we'll have some great company on on that Tuesday. It's going to be a weekly podcast and each episode is going to be about 15 minutes in length. And Larry's going to deep dive on documents from Gene Roddenberry's archive. And uh, I got to say, Bill, um, if if an episode or a podcast with with Doctor Trek is only going to be fifteen minutes, I am going to be very surprised. But I can't <laughs> wait to hear it. <laughs> and uh, among the initial guests, very excited that uh, co producer John Champion, our good friend, will be joining Larry, as well as David Rossi and the legendary DC Fontana will be on the Trek Files, a Roddenberry Star Trek podcast and uh, upcoming uh, episodes. So congratulations to Larry. We are very excited for him and uh, can't wait to hear what he has to say about all of these documents from Gene Roddenberry's archive. You know, I think that's really the interesting thing because, you know, he's he's got access to just volumes of Gene's original documents. And he's going to talk about them in their original context as well as their relevance today, both in Trek and in the world, which I think is it's a great concept for a podcast. I'm glad that he's doing this. So to find the Trek Files, you can go to podcast.roddenberry.com starting today as you hear this, uh, Tuesday, January 23rd. And um, I, I hope it's a great success for, for Roddenberry and for Larry. I, I can't wait to listen and get that in my ear holes. Yes, my uh, my podcast library on the commute uh, is getting quite large now, and I'm going to be adding a new one. I can guarantee it. <laughs> well, like you said, thank God it's only 15 minutes because now we can just you know squeeze it in. You know, in between. sure it will be. <laughs> yeah. <sure. laughs> wow. I hope he hears this and emails you. <laughs> and Dan, 
on a not unrelated note, this past weekend would have been the 98th birthday of someone truly special in the Star Trek universe. I can't, I can't even believe he would have been 98. That's just amazing to think of. Yeah, it's 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 kind of sad, but it's also it's a great celebration. Jackson DeForest Kelly would have turned 98 years young. Uh, just so much, so much fun uh, listening and watching him and Star Trek over the years. Uh, and it, it truly was a loss. Um, we just talked about Larry Demacheck a moment ago and, and his favorite character uh, was Dr. McCoy. It's, he got to play Dr. McCoy and Star Trek continues. So yeah, as we remember uh, D as he was called uh, on what would have been his 98th birthday, uh, just such a great, great character that will forever be loved by millions of fans. You know, I, I once saw D. Kelly at a convention in Denver, Colorado, and he was just so gracious and so kind with the fans. And, and you know, you could tell that he was just such a, a warm and, and loving spirit, you know, just of people in general. And it was, you know, one of my first, you know, uh, big time convention experiences. And it's something I'll always remember. And, you know, when I think of his portrayal of Dr. McCoy. You know, he really was sort of... Yeah, you know, the, the the soul. You know, I mean, Mission Log talks about the gumbification of McCoy, and that quality does exist. But you know, he was he, he was Kirk's bartender. You know, for God's sake, I mean, you know, he was the guy that Kirk, you know, would would have some of these moments with, and he was the humanity at times that would reflect back to Kirk, and um, just such a wonderfully rich character portrayed by a a, a truly great actor. And yeah, even even with all this time that he's been gone, I, I have to say, I, I we miss him still. Absolutely. It's amazing to me. I didn't, I didn't realize, of course, you know, he had been in other things before Star Trek. Star Trek is really where he just became world famous and will, will forever be cemented in entertainment history. But he actually started his career back in 1947 in a movie wow. called Fear in the Night. So, you know, 47, you know, all the way up through, you know, he was a 137 year old admiral in Encounter at Farpoint when he played McCoy. Um, so just a, a very, very lengthy and successful career. But he will always be Dr. McCoy to everyone. Just sadly missed. Yeah, before we make Harry Kim suffer, we want to remind everyone that we've made it even easier for folks to subscribe to both Trek Geeks and Discovering Trek, a Star Trek Discovery Companion. Head on over to podfleet.com and find out how you can get both of our podcasts directly on your iPod, iPhone, Android, or your other device. Plus, and people are just starting to realize this, and it's fantastic. You can even stream the podcast directly using Spotify, which is the largest streaming platform in the world, iHeartRadio, or even Stitcher. It's your independent Star Trek podcasts delivered your way. So join the pod fleet and make it so. So, Dan, we're going to talk about the the long-suffering and, and, <laughs> and oft-abused <laughs> Harry S.L. Kim. Um, <laughs> wow, are you quagmiring on me? <laughs> giggity, no, giggity, giggity? no, giggity, no, no. <laughs> so... Let's talk before we we talk about some of the suffering that that Harry has endured. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about Harry Kim himself. I mean, okay, this is this is a character who, who obviously, I mean, he's green. He's he's fresh out of the academy. He gets assigned to this, you know, this intrepid class starship, and he's he's the operations manager, right? Absolutely. Um, not a not a 
an easy job at all for somebody who is, you know, that new to serving aboard starships. This is his first post. It's his first post, and it's on what at the time may have been considered the most advanced starship. You know the you know the gel packs that they use and and all the new technology. Uh, so yeah, that's going to be a little bit scary for someone fresh out of the academy. Oh, you're going to be the operations officer on board Voyager. So yeah, with a captain who you know has a, a strong science background mm-hmm. and who has a a, a, a not um, uh, easy mission. The Voyager sent on a mission that is that is is pretty difficult. Uh, track down the Maquis. <laughs> Go to the Badlands. In the Badlands. In the Badlands. Yeah. So, you know, already, I mean, if he wasn't intimidated by that, um, I'm not quite sure what would have intimidated him except for the next seven years of Voyager. <laughs> you know, one of the things I've always done, and, we'll, and and this is kind of a little bit of a tangent, but I've always wondered what it would have been like if for the for the crew of the Voyager if they had not been shot you know, 75,000 light years away. What would that whole dichotomy of the crew been like with the, with the Starfleet people that didn't get killed because of the caretaker and the, and the, and the trip over from the Badlands? It's just something that I've always been interested in. Would we have seen a different life, obviously, of Harry Kim, where he wouldn't have, you know, I don't know, maybe died so many times. What? 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 Spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, he's, Harry's Harry's no slouch. I mean, he excels at pretty much everything he's done. He's incredibly smart. You know, he's uh, you know he he reportedly you know aced the quantum theory portion of the Starfleet Academy entrance exam. I, I have to imagine that 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 doesn't happen all that often. So Piece of it's cake. not like yeah, it's not like we're dealing with somebody who you know just barely makes it into Starfleet. This is uh, this is a. A cadet who excelled at what he did and, and deserved to be posted to the Voyager, quite honestly. And deserved to get a lot more than he got when it came to uh, his career uh, in Starfleet, at least what we saw in those seven years. Yes, absolutely. I mean, I, I think there's some there's some interest, interesting storytelling in the fact that, that Harry is that new to everything. Because in a way, he's the, the viewer, right? You know, we're learning about this ship and this crew and and the Delta Quadrant. And in a way, we're kind of doing it in a sense through Harry's eyes. So I, I appreciate that there's that tie to the to the audience in that sense, even if Harry is just genius level, because, I mean, he kind of has to be, you know, that may not be stated as often as it should have been in Voyager. But that's the conclusion I've kind of come to is this guy has to be pretty genius. You know, as you were saying that, something popped in my mind, and we don't give spoilers about Discovery away on the show, but I have a question. Do you have – I just – this just came into my mind. I want to see if you agree. Harry Kim, to me, may be a toned-down version of Tilly. Yeah, I can see that. I'm, I'm I'm thinking of the different things that happened in Voyager, and I'm also comparing it with what we've seen with Tilly, who is just the best character on that show. And and I actually can see some Harry Kim in her, but Harry was a much more toned down. I mean, she's I mean, she's just so energetic and everything. And, and not to say Harry wasn't energetic, but that just popped into my head all of a sudden, and I just thought I'd share that. That's all, that's all I have. You know, I think part of the problem is that the Voyager writers didn't necessarily know how to write that energy without making it seem kind of uh, overly earnest. True. 
I think the discovery writers do a far better job of that with Tilly because there are just there are idiosyncrasies in her character that make it more believable. Whereas, you know, Harry is, you know, like like all of the other Starfleet officers of of that era to some extent, somewhat bulletproof. Now, he makes a mistake every now and then, but hey, we're Starfleet, we're the good guys. He's from Starfleet. He don't lie. <laughs> well, that kind of takes me into my next discussion point. Oh, and, and I it's it's like you're reading the notes, Dan. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> on some level, is Harry Kim the next and, and read into this, if you want, better evolution of Wesley Crusher? Um, Thinking about that, I would have to say no. I don't I don't I've never thought that. Uh, I think at this point in our timeline, so to speak, we've had three spinoffs of of Star Trek. Uh, TNG, of course, which introduced Wesley, and then Deep Space Nine, which introduced Jake, uh, which we talked about recently and how great a character that was um, as a quote-unquote child character uh, in the show. I don't – I've never really related Harry Kim to Wesley in any way. Um, It's interesting that you bring that up, though. It's just not something that I've ever seen. I've never never actually thought of, oh, this is a Wesley-type moment with anything in regards to Harry. Um, It's an interesting – premise. It's just something that I've never really given any real thought to. So I would say personally, no. What about you? I have to say, I think he kind of is. Uh, I think he's a much better character, quite honestly, with only slightly better writing. You know, obviously, Wesley is, uh, you know, comes into our lives at a different age than Harry Kim does. But, you know, Harry is, is every bit as smart as Wesley. He's just as exceptional at what he did. You know, I could see Wesley, you know, varies if he'd stayed in Starfleet. Um, kind of following the same path that Harry Kim did, you know, getting assigned, you know, as an operations officer or some other senior staff kind of role um, other than Helm Mm -hmm. as an ensign or as a, you know, as a lower ranked officer in Starfleet. So I think on some level, he's probably a a next evolution of that type of character, but I think he's a better evolution of Wesley. I think he's a more grounded version of Wesley because Wesley, you know, is a little too earnest in next gen because of poor writing. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because one of the things that I've criticized Voyager about over the years and on the show is that, is that the, the potential for the show was huge and I do have a better appreciation for it now that I've watched it on my favorite station, H and I. Um, but We've always talked about the fact that the writing on the show suffered. Um, it suffered with the character development. And they would have a great episode, and then they'd realize that they only had seven minutes to wrap it up, and it would spoil the episode because it wasn't written as well as it should have been. So I find it interesting that I like how you said that Harry is a better character with slightly better writing, but reminds you of Wesley. I, that, I, can, I can agree to that. Um, I, it's just something I've never seen. I've never thought of myself, or I've never thought of Wesley and Harry being kind of similar characters or the next evolution, as you said, when I've watched Voyager. But I can see where it's coming from, from you. I get the sense that those two would have gotten along well had they met, you know, in an episode. You know, they would have been very similar. They probably would have worked rather well together. Um, so that's kind of where my, my thoughts on that sort of emanated from. Sure. Um, one of the things that I would I would always I'd, I'd find interesting is – I personally think, based on what we've seen from Harry and what we've seen from Wesley, if Wesley didn't decide to go traveling through the universe with mitten hands, I think that he would have been, if he stayed in Starfleet, would have gotten promoted much quicker than anything we 
never saw with Harry. And I think that he would have leapfrogged over Harry, even if even if Voyager didn't get shot into the Delta Quadrant. I just think that what we saw with Wesley and his brilliance and what he was able to do versus what we saw with Harry's brilliance and he was brilliant and what he was able to do for some reason, I just see in my head that Wesley would have been on a very much quicker career path than Harry would have. You're probably right about that. Cause you know, Wesley was a bit of a, you know, a, 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 a child prodigy to some extent. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and it's not that Harry wasn't, but I think that, you know, Wesley, you know, maybe it's the way Wesley was written, you know, with his overly ambitious, yeah. um, <laughs> efforts. Uh, it's funny. You just brought up the traveler. I think that for now, through time and all eternity, you and I on this podcast will refer to, refer to the traveler forever as Mittenhands Q Traveler. That's his new name. Hashtag Mittenhands. <laughs> well, but I mean, he's got a full name now, right? First, middle, last. Yes. Yes, Mitten I like hands, it. Mittenhands Q Traveler. And the Q doesn't stand for anything other than Q. <laughs> I like How's that. It. All right. Oh. All right. <laughs> Hashtag Mittenhands. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so, you know, there's a there, there's a long running meme out there about O'Brien must suffer. And let's we'll be honest. Chief Miles O'Brien has suffered a lot in Deep Space Nine. Fair? Very fair. Absolutely fair. Yeah. So when we compare him, Miles O'Brien, to Harry Kim, who do you think has suffered more? Well, I'm going to answer that and then explain why I think it is. Of course, yeah. that's always good on a podcast, isn't it? Usually, um, it's what the listener hopes for. I think O'Brien suffered more. And the reason why I think that is we never saw, at least to my recollection, any long-term effects of any suffering that Harry went through. We saw those effects and how it and how it changed O'Brien um, throughout the course of the series of Deep Space Nine. He went through some tough times, and and it came back to haunt him. I mean, the 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 Set, Setlick Three is is a is a story that is mentioned in both TNG and in Deep Space Nine, and and we've seen the effects that war has had on on uh, on the chief. But when we see with all the things that Harry went through and all the suffering he went through, it's kind of like TOS or TNG, rather. Um, Next week, everything's everything's wiped. The, the slate is clean, and it's like nothing ever happened the, the week before. At least when it comes to Harry suffering, because he suffered in the worst ways you can possibly think of. But he was fine by either the end of the episode or next week. So, with that being said, I'm going to go with O'Brien v. Kim. O'Brien is the champion of pain. <laughs> I um, <laughs> I don't know why that made me laugh so much. It just the way it came out was pretty hilarious. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to go with Harry Kim on this one. Um, you're right. I mean, O'Brien, we do see the, the, the effects mount on him over time. I do think that that's, uh, that's spot on. However, I think that Harry Kim actually gets tortured more regularly. Um, just for record. I mean, some of the stuff that Harry Kim goes through is is even worse than what O'Brien endures. Now, granted, I understand that O'Brien, you know, had his molar extracted when he was taken, you know, prisoner by the Cardassians and put on trial. I understand that, you know, an entire clone of O'Brien, you know, um, really suffered a lot, you know, before they realized, you know, that it was a clone. Um, but all kinds of stuff that O'Brien has been through. If I line it up, you know, side by side with Harry, I, 
I got to think the Harry Kim list is infinitely longer. I just think that, you know, like you said, in, in Voyager, it's true episodic nature. Next week, everything was fine. Whereas Deep yeah. Space Nine, there were long lasting effects. And I think that's why people think O'Brien suffered more, in my, my opinion. Let me throw one more at, let me throw an example at you with regards to O'Brien and see if it, if it, if it changes the percentage, so to speak, a little bit. Sure. All these things happen with both of them, uh, and the, the molar extraction is always a great one. But one of the ones that stands out for me with O'Brien, and even though this is a Voyager discussion, I do want to bring this up with O'Brien, is in hard time, he had memories implanted of 20-plus years of being in prison, and those memories stay with him. Even though it didn't happen, he thinks it happened. And that's 20 years in his mind where he suffered just unbelievably. He killed his best friend in in these memories. And that, no matter what, no matter what therapy he went through, that's going to that's gonna hang on with him for, for the rest of his life, even though it didn't happen. And that's one of the reasons also why I put him suffering more because that's a lifelong uh, issue that he's got to deal with. Oh, and I, I don't necessarily disagree, but I don't think it changes the percentage for me because, okay. again, when I look at the list of of just the sheer things that Harry Kim endured in seven years, I think that some of those uh, are probably on par with or maybe even exceed it to some extent, you know. Death um, always has that. Uh, death can always do that. Yeah. Well, Especially he dies multiple times. Yeah, so yeah, he dies multiple times over. And this is perhaps a good segue into – my my failed Voyager challenge and the genesis oh. of my Harry Kim tracker, which mm-hmm. unfortunately I stopped after only 14 episodes. So back in the day, before there was a Trek Geeks podcast, I I wanted to get through Voyager. And I thought that I would detail, you know, uh, my my episode watches in in blog form on TrekGeeks.com. So this is there was a TrekGeeks.com, but there was no podcast. And it was, I tell you what, it was hard because I'd have to watch each episode about three times and then I would write a lengthy recap. And this was before, you know, I I wrote, you know, recaps for other episodes that we've done here on Trek Geeks before I perfected sort of that, that shorthand. So some of these l- recaps are just incredibly long and detailed and they didn't necessarily need to be. But I started a, a Harry Kim tracker and I re- refer to it as the Trek Geeks official Ensign Harry Kim suffering tracker. And I would update it with every episode I watched. And if there were no updates, I would say, there's no updates. But I made it through season one, episode 14 of Voyager, which is Faces. Um, and that's if you count Caretaker as one episode. So I'll, I'll, I'll say that. Okay. But as I was detailing the Harry Kim tracker, here are the things that Harry Kim had been through in just 14 episodes. Are you ready? <laughs> that's going to be good. Yep, I'm ready. So first... Harry Kim abducted by alien race. That happens in episode one. Caretaker. He also was put through experiments, you know, <laughs> medical experimentation by by an by an alien race. Um, he gets a mysterious illness that happens in Parallax. He's killed twice in the first fourteen episodes. He's killed once in Emanations, where he's euthanized in a Venori death pod, and then he's killed again on the Voyager holodeck in Heroes and Demons when he's turned into energy by Grendel. <laughs> I mean, you know, essentially, he's dead. He's non-corporeal. He's been converted into energy. So to me, that that's dead. Ouch. He's critically injured in ex post facto. Um, and then he gets dejected over a mini wormhole in Eye of the Needle. But he gets that wormhole named after him in Eye of the Needle. 
Tom Paris, you know, says we should call it the, you know, the Harry Kim wormhole or whatever. And then he's dejected over teleportation technology and prime factors. That's the one where they discover the planet that has its own prime directive. And the guy's like, hello, Captain Janeway. You know, like that uh, guy, that guy, uh, (laughs) just doing the voice. You know exactly who I'm talking about. Yes. So already there's there's a healthy list in the first 14 episodes of how Harry Kim is just getting dumped on. Right. And that was the genesis of my Harry Kim tracker. My intent was to carry that forward through all seven seasons and see how long it got. (laughs) That would have been a lot of writing. Oh, my God. So ironically, my Voyager challenge was interrupted by introducing the Trek Geeks podcast. (laughs) Maybe a good thing. Maybe a bad thing. Maybe a bad thing. Yeah. (laughs) I I blame you. So Okay. um, (laughs) Thanks, Michelle. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Michelle Specs is Dan is to blame for everything in case you guys missed that. So, Dan. <laughs> right. So, you know, if we stop and consider some of the other ways Harry Kim has been tortured, and I keep coming back to that word. It's not actual torture, you know, like like waterboarding, but it's let's face it. It's pretty torturous. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some some doozies. And I, I have to stop at this point and, and point out that in the middle of season two, they killed Harry Kim of this universe and replaced him with another Harry Kim. Yeah. That, so the that Harry one was Kim, hard for me to take. The Harry Kim we wind up with is not the Harry Kim we started with. And that really kind of blows my mind. Yeah. I, I, that's one that I, I was not a fan of that one. Um, I just think it was kind of a, an easy way out to get out of the situation that they were in when writing the episode. It wasn't something I've always, I've never really liked that, that we did that because it's not Harry Kim. Kind of pretty much. Right. Well, he's a Harry Kim, right? Yeah, but he's not the Harry Kim. He's not the Harry Kim we saw in the first, uh, you know, season in a half or right. season in, in three quarters. Right. I mean, I don't know. That's, that's one of those, that's one of those things in Voyager. You know, a lot of people, you say bad things about Voyager. A lot of people love Voyager. This That's one of those things in Voyager that I just have never agreed with is how they handled that and how for the rest of the series, it basically wasn't who we started with. Yeah, absolutely. I, um, you know, if I run down some of my favorites from some of the earlier seasons, um, you know, he, he also gets interrogated in ex post facto. Um, Emanations has always kind of blown my mind because not only does Harry Kim die, to return to Voyager. He gets switched with someone who's dead. And in the process, he takes down an entire civilization's belief in the afterlife. <laughs> Unintentionally. Yeah, that's a good, that I, that's a good one. Now you can imagine what that must, what he must feel like after that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Your whole religion is wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. By the way. Yeah. You guys don't go to, to, to some emanation. You go to a moon. <laughs> and you're just like kind of wrapped up there, just hanging out. That's you're it. Covered in spider webs <laughs> or whatever they are. Um, in non sequitur, he winds up on earth in an alternate universe and gets mistaken uh, as a traitor, um, which (laughs) he's on the run, essentially. Um, you figure in a, well, like I said, in deadlock, he, he dies and gets replaced in the thaw. He totally gets mentally tortured by the evil clown. Oh God. The thaw is a great examination of fear. Uh, granted, mm-hmm. it's not one of my favorite episodes simply because I, I don't enjoy those kinds of mental departure and, and sort of um, uh, 
really kind of abstract episodes. Mm-hmm. But there are some really great moments in this episode, both from Kate Mulgrew and from Garrett Wong. But you know, Harry goes through some of the most you know anxiety generating mental abuse that any character in Star Trek has had to go through at that point. Right. One of the one of the smaller ones that I always appreciated uh, for what he had to go through and that he really got the uh, blank end of the stick, so to speak, was in the killing game. He's not forced into the holodeck to battle over and over and over again and get killed and then brought back to, you know, or critically injured, brought back and then go back in the holodeck. No, he has to run everything to make sure that all of his crew members can go into the holodeck to have the snot beat out of him or to get shot in the back or something like that. He was basically the Herogen's whipping boy in that in that two-parter. And, and that that's that I'd, I think I'd rather be in the holodeck than be the person who's responsible for making sure you can get into the holodeck. Right, right. Well, Absolutely. since he- since you used the word snot, let's talk about Scorpion. <laughs> <laughs> that was great. Very so nice. Scorpion happens at a time where the producers aren't sure Garrett Wong is going to be brought back to Voyager. Mm-hmm. You know, so what do they do? They create a situation where Harry is infected by species 8472 with some sort of evil mutation. And I'm sure they don't know how they're going to get him out of it, but he's he's sort of being transformed before our very eyes, right? In fact, uh, I think that's the image that's on this week's album cover for Trek Geeks that you use. Absolutely. Um, if that isn't, you know, as bad, if not worse than Hard Time um, <laughs> or O'Brien, I don't know what is, man. Well, I can agree with you to a point, but... As, as, as the doctor said when he was infected by eight... Uh, species 8472 he's being eaten alive from the inside out and of course we see that image that's on the album cover but when it's on screen those whatever the heck it is are moving on his face and that that one tendril that's like going into his mouth you can see it moving and you can see tears in his eyes that's going to be brutal but here's part of the problem with what we've talked about with voyager in part two the doctor's like oh i know how i can take care of it he'll be fine and the next time we see him he's fine yeah uh, so I, I I take the, you know that particular time frame from when he was infected to when he was cured must have been just oh my god I can't even imagine what it must be like or what it felt like and he couldn't do anything about it but but then he's okay doctor's good he saved him and it's on to the next week's episode right. that's what I'm talking about where hard yeah. time he's got to deal with those feelings forever they're not oh, going to go away there's no way that they can be removed no I get that I'm just talking about the the actual thing that occurs to the person, long-term effects of standing. Harry yeah. is conscious and awake while all of this oh. is going on. You know, he, he he's yeah. not unaware. He's not catatonic. He, yeah. he feels everything. Can't and like you sedated. said, yeah. no, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's brutal. Oof. I, I, you know, I, I have to say the first time I saw Scorpion, I felt bad for Harry Kim. Oh, yeah. He wasn't even one of my favorite characters at the time, you know? And it was um, just that split second before the beam out. It's one of those, oh, if it was a half a second more, he would have been fine. Right. Right. Yeah. You know, you brought up the killing game, you know, which is great. Um, uh, living witness is kind of interesting, even though it's, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of episode. There's an evil depiction of him. Uh, in Demon, he gets uh, copied into a goop-based replica, replica of himself. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, it was first him and then it was everyone. Um, he gets radiate severe radiation burns in one 
in Timeless, um, and I, this is probably one we should talk about for a while, probably some of his greatest suffering of all, as we talked about in the episode we did on Timeless. Yeah, uh, I'll have something to say in regards to that. Uh, when we, I want, yeah, we do want to focus in specifically on Timeless. I got a lot to talk about on that one. I think personally, that's the worst suffering Harry episode, even though it's not physical suffering. But let's do it. Let's do it now. Well, let's do it right now, Bill. How about let's, we do it right now? Well, yeah, because <laughs> you know, as we talked about when we did our Timeless episode, you know, he essentially lives through fifteen years of of hor- horribly you know, weighing guilt. Mm-hmm. And, and that's pretty torturous. Um, the way you give me, go ahead and give me your thoughts. Cause this sure. is one you really wanted to talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah. You just said it, you know, 15 years, he feels responsible for the death of, of everyone on the ship and for the loss of Voyager. And, and we see how he has changed uh, in the future. He's cold. He's, he, the, the only thing he cares about is, is figuring out a way to change time so that, so that he doesn't make that mistake and and so the crew will be saved and that's 15 it's it's a lo- it's along the lines of hard time i guess you could say the only change here is is at the end of the episode which isn't a spoiler if you listen to our episode on timeless it doesn't happen so it's a change in time in the in time so it never actually happens but when it is the future harry it did happen and he's got 15 years to just remember the mistake he made and the miscalculation and it just drives him to the, the the depths of despair. And as we've talked about on this show, I know exactly what that's like. I spent 15 years doing the same thing. So for me, that episode is by far and away, in my opinion, the episode that shows Harry's worst amount of suffering. It's good that he was able to have it not happen because it was a change in the timeline. So it, it technically never occurred, but we saw it occur and we saw it and brilliant performance by Garrett in showing that suffering in that episode. Absolutely. I mean, despite the fact that it's a reset button episode and probably one of the, uh, the, the largest reset button episodes that ever occurs in, in, in the history of Star Trek, it's right up there with some other ones. Um, it, it is some of the most, it's self-torture. Yeah, you know, because he he allows himself to feel this guilt, assuming that it's his fault. Um, and, and on some level, it is. But you know, uh, I think that that Harry tends to take some of those things a little too much to heart. But still, fifteen years is a long time to carry that weight around your neck, and uh, it just it's it's brutal. You know, the Harry Kim we see is it, it, it it's saddening. You know, it 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 makes you sort of feel bad for him, and it's uh, I totally understand where you're coming from on that one. I didn't necessarily a few days ago before I thought about it, but uh, absolutely, it, that's some of his worst torture in, in in the entire seven years. I think it's I think it's one of the episodes that the writing staff did a remarkable job on because it's depressing. You feel horrible when you're watching this episode. At least I did, and I, I believe I, I think you did too. You feel so bad for what he's gone through and what he's going through. He's kind of gone into a manic state and in. in and fixing thing, nothing, nothing else matters. He wants to fix what happened and it, it pretty much destroys his career. And he's a, he's a criminal, uh, by the time that, um, uh, he's going through the, 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 what's the word, uh, going back in time. So, or he can make the change and send the signal, but, um, it just, it's, it's, it's just gut wrenching for me to watch that over and over again. And I have watched that episode because it, it means so it, it, it's very personal to me. Uh, so that's the one that I think 
of the most. Now for physical, like we talked about just a moment ago, I got to go with Scorpion. I mean, that's just what. <laughs> well, you know, we obviously, this is only an hour long podcast. We couldn't possibly go through every single oh, yeah. instance where, where Harry is tortured, but there's a couple other ones I want to bring up before we, we move on to the next topic. Uh, still from early episodes. I mean, we're not even through a third of the list yet. Uh, Course Oblivion, everybody winds up melting and Harry's acting <laughs> captain. That's pretty brutal. <laughs> Yeah, that's bad. <laughs> in in Warhead, he's held captive in sick bay by a sentient bomb. I like that one. <laughs> that's a good one. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's funny because you know, if you Google Harry Kim suffering, you get a variety of responses. And you know, here here here's one that that somebody posted on Reddit. Okay. Um, Harry gets captured, forced into an alien medical testing that would have ordinary, ordinarily killed him. He dies. He gets consumed by a malfunctioning hologram monster. He dies. Tortured by a clown, falsely imprisoned and abused, gets converted into an alien, gets consumed by an alien, attack vine, enslaved and forced to watch his friends die over and over again, had his memory altered to make him think he committed a massacre. I forgot about that one. Um, and and the list goes, goes on and on and on. Yeah, there's a great um, there's a great meme that's been out there for a while. It's got a picture of of Garrett as Harry, and um, it says, "Works hard for seven years on a ship stranded in the Delta Quadrant as a model Starfleet officer. Builds an astrometrics lab. Has been captured and tortured on multiple occasions. Multiple shuttlecraft accidents. Had his genetics manipulated by aliens. Died. Has been irradiated. Has been shot." Has been back in time and in other dimensions, sucked into space and killed, had possibly less sex than Jordy, still an ensign. <laughs> less sex than Jordy. Is that even possible? I apparently. Wow. Uh, yeah. So I mean, this this takes us to you know the next part of the discussion, right? Harry Kim, an exemplary officer, right? I think we both agree on that. Yes. Hard hardworking, um, committed. Um, never promoted. And I guess here's my question regarding that. Was that a failing of Janeway? And does that speak to her philosophy as a captain by not promoting him? I mean, because by rights on any other ship, I have to believe that somebody who endured that much and, and was that critical in service to the ship would have at least received, you know, one level of promotion, maybe to, you know, to, to, to second Lieutenant. Um, well, Let's let's think about that for a second, and because you're absolutely right, Tom Paris, who was a convicted criminal and brought on board Voyager to uh, go after the Maquis, he gets promoted. He starts as a and, lieutenant. Uh, yeah, and so I think the way that I've looked at it is what you said about Kim was 100 percent correct in his in his. Um, genius and how he did his job and he was dedicated and he was determined. Here's one of the things that I wonder if it came into Janeway's mind. He was obsessed with getting home to the point where it could cause problems with the with ship safety and what was going on in particular episodes. We saw it in Scorpion. He didn't care until the very last moment that um, the corridor was um, going right through the heart of Borg space. And I think that obsession with getting home could sometimes cloud his judgment. And it's something that maybe Janeway saw. Now that certainly doesn't excuse the fact that he stayed in Ensign for seven years where, where Tom got promoted and this, that, and the other thing. But I think that might have played into it a little bit. I have to agree with you hundred um, percent. So we asked Camp Kittimer, actually, before I say that, I'm going to say, I think it does speak to some, some of Janeway's philosophy. 
I think that in Voyager, and you see this a lot, you get a lot of good job, Harry. You get a lot of nice work, Ensign. But there's not a lot of long-term um, career growth. And maybe that's because they're stranded in the Delta Quadrant. But um, it's like you said, Tom starts as a lieutenant. I mean, at some point, he's broken back down to Ensign as, as part of a uh, a long-term undercover thing. Right. And then mm-hmm. gets promoted back to lieutenant. Uh, Tuvok gets a promotion at some point, doesn't he? I think so. I don't remember. I'll have to look uh, that up. Um, but Harry uh, doesn't. And I, I think that falls on Janeway, to be honest. I think that, you know, it's uh, – I think she could have done more to recognize the people – uh, the, who were working just as hard as as she was to get them home. Now, that doesn't mean I hate Janeway. Uh, certainly, I don't. It doesn't mean that uh, I, I take a dim view of Voyager as a result of it. I just think that it's an aspect of her character the writers could have done a lot better with because, you know, seven years stranded, you know, everybody on that ship is all everyone else has, right? That's right. And, Absolutely. And uh, I think it, it at some point, you got to keep morale going. And yeah, it's a promotion. But to Harry Kim, I think that would have meant the world. Quite honestly, oh, absolutely. I, I mean, he he worked hard. He tried hard. He always was trying to impress the captain. And like you just said, I think that's a great way to look at it. He always got a attaboy or a nice job, and it's like, really, that's it. I, I don't, I, I don't get any. I get nothing. And yeah, I mean, we. It, one thing I do think is interesting. We do see him uh, as a captain in the future, so he finally gets something right. Uh, in Endgame, in that future timeline, he's captain. So it well, took, you know, how many years? Future timeline but. that doesn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it wipes it all out. So he loses again. There you Although, go. Although, you know, if you look at Star Trek Online, um, uh, you know, at some point, you know, um, <laughs> Harry Kim is is found by the Kabali, the the race that revived Lindsay Ballard, and, and he's revived there because mm-hmm. apparently, you know, he, he dies at some point. So he gets that, which is good. He winds up being a captain in Star Trek Online. So they, you know, STO carries that forward, that 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 Rhode Island thread. Um, so that's kind of cool. Um, so, we, go ahead. I guess what I was going to say. So, so an official Trek canon, nothing happens, or when it does happen, it gets wiped out because the timeline never exists, or he becomes something good happens to him in non-official canon. So way to go, Harry. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we asked Camp Kittimer what uh, what some of their favorite uh, torturings of Harry Kim were. Um, and that's pretty much the way I, I phrased it. Um, and everybody hit on a lot of the same things that we hit, you know, today. Uh, there's there's course oblivion. There's the people saying that uh, he's the chief O'Brien of Voyager. Um, uh, the other people say he's the Chekhov of Voyager. I, I can buy that. Yeah, I would okay. like to. I would like to torture Chekhov. Um, um, th- there's the torture of never being promoted, which which is 100 percent true. That's funny. Uh, uh, you know, uh, it's we mentioned the the Paris angle. It's like they even acknowledge it in the series, as Jeffrey Harlan pointed out. Um, Paris gets promoted back to lieutenant, and Kim literally says, "I didn't see a box on my chair." <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's know? good. So you know he wanted it, and he never yeah, you know he was hoping for it. Um, the shoot gets mentioned. Um, the time Harry gets permanently dies in the vacuum of space, that would be deadlock uh, where he's replaced with other Harry uh, emanations, the thaw with the clown. So, and of course, oblivion. So a lot of the heavy hitters that we talked about uh, people in camp Kittimer also agree with. I, um, it, I feel like I have to go back and, and finish my Voyager rewatch at some point. Um, Cause I, 
I mean, I've probably seen at this point 85% of the episodes. There's probably a, a small section I haven't seen between seasons five and seven. Um, and I'm sure that there's some Harry Kim suffering in there. But um, it, you know, part of my problem with, with Voyager is, well, it goes back to what we saw Garrett Wong say in Boston in, in 2014, right? Um, about how the actors were at playing humans were asked to play the humans. And they wanted to tone down the reaction and the emotion. And I think that's why I've always had a disconnect with Voyager. Although I have to say that as I get older and as I watch more Voyager, I'm starting to feel more of a connection to the series. Now, I don't know if I just wasn't in the right place at the time to to have that. But I, I can absolutely say what some people talk about with regards to Voyager as to why it's their Star Trek, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And and I, I like the way that you phrase that. Maybe it wasn't the right time because I was the same way with Voyager when it first came out on UPN. I was like, yeah, okay, this is okay. And I don't even know if I saw all of the series the first time it aired. Um, I probably missed a lot of it. But in rewatching it, now that I'm older and now that I have an even much more appreciation for Star Trek – it is good. There's there's some there's some poor writing, just like in every series. There are some bad episodes, just like in every series. But it is much more enjoyable than I remember it uh, originally, and I think it's it's worth watching because there's a lot of that. Even though they had to hold back on their humanity, so to speak, there's great. Um, character development and camaraderie with the crew. And they really are the family that Janeway always talks about in the series. So uh, yeah, yeah, unfortunately we get to see him suffer or fortunately we get to see him suffer a lot, but um, yeah, I I, I'm looking forward to when you do a complete rewatch and and I get your thoughts on, uh, on the whole series, man. I have to tell you, I'm looking forward in two years. We have Voyager's 25th anniversary. Wow. Um, Because it premiered in, in January of 1995. So that means it's a, it's, 25th is coming up in, <laughs> in two years. Oh, my God. Lord. Um, and, and I'm actually really looking forward to that because, you know, as we did with TNG 30, we did a lot of TNG content that year. This year, we're doing a lot of Deep Space Nine content for DS9 thir- uh, 25. And for, for Voyager 25, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the ways we explore that series um, and and try to bring out what we really like about it because I think that was our goal with with TNG. It's absolutely what we're going to do with DS Nine. I'm uh, I'm actually I, I'm excited for this, and I'm probably going to have to rewatch it at least once before then. But as I'm doing with DS Nine now, I will absolutely rewatch it again during its anniversary year um, because I, I think there's a lot there. And like I said, I, I didn't necessarily see it before. And exactly. And that's one of the things I, you know, we always joke about how I love H&I, but that's one of the things I love about H&I is because it's on all the time, you get to catch up on stuff that you may have missed or rewatch the ones that you love or rewatch the ones that you don't love and see if you have a better, a different feeling on it. So I'm looking forward to you rewatching it. I hope you rewatch it before the, the 25th anniversary because, you know, you can't wait all that time to find out that there's coffee in that nebula. <laughs> I was going to say, for as much as you've used H&I during this episode, we either have to turn this into a drinking game or they need to start sending us a check. <laughs> <laughs> I think I like the latter. <laughs> I, I prefer the former. <laughs> let's, let's turn this into a drinking game. Okay. Um, uh, I will say, as final thoughts on Harry Kim, and I'll let you, you know, articulate yours in just a second. I have to say that I think he's a character that is far, maligned far too often. 
because I think the character of Harry Kim is a fantastic one. I think that, you know, when they originally drew him up, um, I, I thought he was a great idea. And then I look at the journey he went on over seven seasons, albeit an episodic one. But there's a lot that rounds out that character by the time he gets to the finale. And uh, I think he's an incredibly likable character. I, I think he's a character that we can see a lot of ourselves in. And I think as Star Trek fans, that's what we look for. We look for the character that we identify with, whether they're on a journey to find their own humanity or whether they're on a journey to um, to stop a war um, in the event of, like, say, Michael Burnham in Star Trek Discovery, who is also discovering her humanity. But I think Car- Harry Kim is our humanity as we watch Voyager in, in that time frame. And I think he's portrayed incredibly well by Garrett Wong. I, you know, if I, if I think about it, I, I actually can't think of anyone else who could have done a better job with Harry Kim. I think that it's really just a fantastic portrayal and I have to take my hat off to Garrett on that one. But as I go through and I, and I actually rewatch Voyager again at some point, I, I I'm going to, I'm going to feel very protective of Harry Kim because the, the kid gets beat up and he's, he's a likable guy. So I think I'm going to have a different perspective with which to watch well that's what i have kind of a problem with 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 um with harry kim and voyager is it gets to the point with all of the things that he goes through where if something's wrong is going to happen with a member of the crew chances are it's going to be with harry so it's kind of like a, a surprise that's not a surprise um it kind of i don't know want to say it's the running gag that took place on the on the whole run of voyager I like the character of Harry. I think he was underutilized on the show. I think he was brilliantly performed with by Garrett with what he was given to work with. But I think that the character had so much more that could have been given um, than we saw. And I think that's a shame to both the character and to the actor. Um, as I've rewatched and things have happened to him. Now, let's let's step back for a second. Good things do happen to him from time to time. So yes. I guess we can say that it's not all bad for Harry. But I just wish that the character um, – I, I, I wish – you know, it would have been great to see maybe Tuvok go through getting hit by Species 8472 just for a little bit of mix-up and a little bit of difference. It's, oh, that's Harry again. We don't have to go through that every week like we seem to do. That well, we being talked, said – go ahead. We talked earlier about the gumbification of McCoy. Harry Kim was sort of the Gumby character for Voyager in that if you need something to, somebody to go through something, Harry Kim was your was your guy. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a shame. I mean, you know, we saw it with O'Brien and we saw, it seems like every series there was that one person who we knew was going to get the, uh, uh, the, the short straw. And, um, but still, I just, you said it just a moment ago, nobody could have played Harry, uh, Harry Kim better than Garrett Wong. And, and he's brilliant for what he did, for what he was uh, given to work with. And um, I hope someday in this real timeline, he does get captain of the Rhode Island because he deserves it. Absolutely. Dan, the other thing we hope for is that five-year mission releases their year four really, really soon because I think we're antsy for it. We're jonesing for some new 5YM. We want everyone to head on out to fiveyearmission.net. Download their latest albums, all of them, whether it's year one, year two, year three, Trouble with Tribbles, Spock's Brain. Love Spock's Brain. It's such a great, great album. But they are every last bit of music you hear on the Trek Geeks podcast and also on Discovering Trek. And um, we love these guys. We want everyone to support them. It's fiveyearmission.net. Did you say Jonesen for some 5YM? I did. Jonesen. That's, I like that. I'm going to work that into my uh, please, commute tomorrow. Please don't ever do that. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, last week 
Bill, we had a wonderful discussion about Star Trek, the motion picture. I think you might remember it. And you know, it occurred to me all these years, the dialogue in a particular scene was actually wrong. Did you know that? No, I, I didn't know this at all. Well, I, would, I did some digging because, you know, I'm investigative reporter type of guy when it comes to the podcast. So I found my special stash of hidden versions of Star Trek, the motion picture. And I found out that a member of five-year mission was pivotal in saving the ship when they were in the wormhole. You remember the wormhole scene? I'm sure you how, do. How could I forget? And, you know, I'm going to do something that I don't do often here on Trek Geeks. I'm going to actually relive the scene in this special hidden version that I found. So you got to bear with me. I'm going to do my best to do voices and uh, we'll see where it goes. What do you think? Uh, I await with bated breath. <clears throat> okay. So you know that they enter the wormhole, right? I've heard the rumor. Mr. Chekhov, stand by on phasers. No! Belay that phaser order. Arm photon torpedoes. And Chekhov, of course. Photon torpedoes! Armed! Forgetting asteroid! Fire photon torpedoes! Torpedoes away! Wait, do we do we just get a sound effect there? I just want to throw. I did want to throw that in a little bit. Yeah, targeting asteroids. You never heard that version, and it was the pivotal version of Star Trek: The Motion Picture. So, of all the things you could have farked in that in that section of dialogue, you chose targeting. I didn't choose anything. It was in the special version, man. I'm just reliving the scene for you. You could have done Farkpedos. <laughs> you could have done uh, Belay That Farkser Order. <laughs> Farkser? Yeah, well, Phaser okay. Farkser. You let me deal with creating the awesome Farkisms, and you just produce the show. How's that? When do the awesome Farkisms start? <laughs> it's been 127 episodes. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Dan, next week, you know, you and I, we don't agree on much sometimes, but well, it's because you're kind of a pack led, but there is one thing we absolutely agree on. <laughs> sometimes? Yeah, okay, whatever. Uh, math is hard, but anyway, yeah, it is safe to say that both of us believe that Dr. Flox is one of the best characters on Enterprise. Love him. John Bill Billingsley is just so great as Dr. Flox. So next week, we're going to deep dive into a particular episode. It's one of the more interesting Phlox episodes, uh, which asks a lot of moral questions and also introduces what I think are the building blocks for the Prime Directive. Next week, it's Dear Doctor on Trek Geeks, your independent Star Trek podcast. It's been a long time since we talked some Enterprise. I'm looking forward to getting back into it. Um, and what a great episode to dive back in on. Dear Doctor is a fantastic episode, and I'm looking forward to breaking that one down with you, buddy. Uh, of course, for more great Star Trek discussion, we want to remind everyone to check out the Tricorder Transmissions online at thetricordertransmissions.com. And of course, here it comes for all the news on all the Star Treks, yo. Please visit our dear friends at treknews.net. For now, this has been episode 127 of the Trek Geeks podcast. We do hope you all live long and prosper. boy, coconut. Coconut. Good job, coconut. Nice job, coconut. No promotion. Bye. Ensign <laughs> Coconut.
Bing bong, governor. Hello. Hello, governor. Tip of the iceberg to you, mate. Uh, did, Wait a minute. did you know today, as we record this, is World Snow Day? What is with these weird days? I don't know. It's when does snow need a day? Because here in New Hampshire, you get about six months of it, for God's sake. Today is Plastic Coaster Reference Day. Oh, that's a holiday I could get behind. Yeah. Because coasters go under beer. <laughs> or coffee. Or wine. Which made me think of it just now. Speaking of coffee, what, what are you drinking? Uh, cinnamon sugar cookie. <laughs> Very nice. I'm actually drinking Green Mountain's Kenya blend. Yeah. Because I wanted yes. some place that didn't have winter like New Hampshire. Yeah. Well, actually, you know, yesterday when we were doing all our stuff at the house, it was 45 in Yarmouth. Oh, I know. It was balmy. It's fantastic. I, you know, I had the uh, I had my sunroof open a little bit yesterday driving around town. And people are going, what? You had your sunroof open with like 45 degrees. Yes, because at that point, it feels like summer here. It does. We had a one-month stretch where it was in either the teens or single digits or below, below zero. So yeah. this feels like spring. Springy. Hey, so you let, you've had Boston Cream Donut, of course, right? Absolutely. Uh, coffee, I mean. Right, I figured. Um, so the other day, I'm at my sister's getting ready for work, and and I'm making coffee in the coffee maker, and she's upstairs, and her, and their upstairs bedroom is is kind of far away from the kitchen. You have to go up a couple of flights of stairs, and it's 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 pushed off to the from the main part of the house. It's over the garage, and you know where that is. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I've got my Boston cream donut brewing and I'm just doing stuff in the kitchen. And all of a sudden I hear from the top of the stairs, what are you having? That's chocolate. (laughs) What, what are you talking about? She goes, I smell chocolate. I'm like, uh, oh yeah. I just brewed Boston cream donut. And she's like, oh my God, it smells so good. (laughs) (laughs) That's what, that's what (laughs) I hope your sister hears your impersonation of her and then throws you out. (laughs) <laughs> Either that or, or or references Alex Trebek in Star Trek again. Uh, see, I was working myself up to an Alex Trebek reference, and you stole my thunder. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Are you? What is Are stealing you? your thunder? Oh. oh, you know what I have to say to that? That's what I hey. have to say. You'll be here all week, ladies and gentlemen. Ba-boom. Ba-boom-boom. Ba-boom-boom. Boom. But we don't have any Boston cream donut here in Yarmouth. It's all down there. So I'm going with the cinnamon sugar cookie today, and I like it. It's good. I love cinnamon sugar cookie. It's one of the best. And it's it's sad that it's only a holiday f- flavor. Well, that means you just buy like 12 boxes. Yes, I know. And, <laughs> and, and you enjoy the whole year round. Whole year round. Yeah. 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 Hey. That's, coffee's good in the morning. I like it. Hey. I don't have my low voice today. <laughs> oh, what a shame. Yeah. So I, I thought of you. We had the you know the news on this morning as we were having breakfast before we decided to before I came up to record, and um, they were doing you know live reports from Gillette Stadium, and um, playing over the loudspeakers was uh, "Want to Be Starting Something" by Michael Jackson. <laughs> of course, now all I can do is think of you. Yes. Ding, 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 ding. Oh, can't do that. Can Spotify. So yeah, I'm learning. Huh? I know you're, <laughs> you're a slow study. I am slow study. I study slow. I do. <laughs> yes. Thank you for I'm reiterating that. I appreciate that. I'm all nervous for the game. What's your What's your prediction? Might as well get a prediction, right? Um, I, I don't think I'm making a prediction. Okay. Because it's the playoffs. 
this is you know, for me any given sunday can truly happen in the playoffs so yeah, I, uh, true. I i don't think it's going to be a blowout by any means that's no. really the only prediction no. i can make okay well good you know, i got a fence here you can sit on if you want that's the oh no I'd, i know i always predict a patriots win but I, I there's no way i'm going to give you a score there's no way i'm going to tell you it's going to be x number of touchdowns nope not doing it yeah. gotcha okay fine what about That's you? Good. No, I'm not giving one. Oh, yeah. So I'm on the fence. <laughs> well, I'm not going to give one. If you're not going to give one, it's not fair to everybody else. Well, no, you always position yourself as a greater fan than I am. So uh, in Star Trek or, or football. So so let's hear it. Pass by 10. Okay. You heard it here first on Trek Course. By the time people hear this, this game will already <laughs> happen. They'll either be laughing at me saying, yeah, no, or they'll be like, God damn, they're in it again. Most people <laughs> point at you and laugh on a regular basis. And that's why I don't notice it because it's just regular. <laughs> it's it's par for the course. It is, yes. It's birdie actually, or eagle, albatross, one of the three. Doesn't matter. No, you're my albatross. <laughs> hey, I'm only on my second uh, cup of coffee, and I'm on fire. Fire. Well, <laughs> well. Anyway, I know you'd like to throw me on fire. That's fine. I would. Yes. Yes. No, I would never do that. You're my pal. You're my bud. And then you, that's because you'd have to drive to work. That's true. That's bad enough driving with you. So driving by myself would be even worse. <laughs> hey, look at that. It's nine eleven. I look at the clock every day at nine eleven. I don't know what the deal is with that. Every day. I usually look at eleven eleven. That's weird. Yeah. Weird stuff. Yeah. You know? Well, all right, uh, right there, Captain Sassafras. You ready to do this? I am ready. Let's make Harry suffer. He can't suffer any more than I am right now talking to you. <coughs> I walked right into that one. I like a garden rake. I like a garden rake. <clears throat> Shut your face, Grandma. <laughs> Sorry, that's before people think I'm yelling at someone's grandmother. That's a quote from Impractical Jokers. It's not very nice, though. Neither are you. Here we go.